feel like I've been to church. Like I, I've sat through every service, and every, every time we did that song, my, my chill bumps had chill bumps. You know what I'm saying? It's like, whoop! Mm. But now I get to preach, so I'm excited. I'm so happy. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I got to always, well, let me back, back up. Often I like to start with a question. It's a survey. And it's, um, you don't even have to be a Christian to participate in this. This is an all-skate. Now, some of you will not participate, and, and that's why you have no friends. Um, but it's, and it's an easy question. It's an easy question. I need to know in the room how many people drive a, drive a truck. Now, don't raise your hand. Let me qualify it. When I say drive a truck, I don't, I don't mean an 18-wheeler. That's like a different level of truck. Like, I respect you, and I know you're in the room or you're watching online. We have... I had a guy reach out to me recently. He said, I watch you every week while I'm driving an 18-wheeler. I'm not sure that's the smartest thing in the world, but thank you. Just, please just listen. Don't watch. Um, and I'm not talking about an SUV. An SUV is a different category. I know it's categorized by some people as a truck. I'm talking about a truck. It's got a bed in the back. And, and when I say like a Tundra, a Tacoma, an F-150, a, a Ram, like how many drive a truck? Raise your hand. Oh, wow, a lot of truck people, which I should not be surprised. This is Anderson. <laughs> now, I drive a, I drive a Tundra. I, it's, a, it's a big truck. It's, um, it's a four-wheel drive truck. And, and here's the reason I have four-wheel drive. It's, it's for one reason only. Because in Anderson, South Carolina, it's going to snow once every, once every 10 years. And they're going to tell you not to get out on the road. And I want to be able to get out on the road. It's a control thing. It's fine. I'm in therapy. I'm okay. Um, but I, I, I think if you're going to drive a truck, it ought to be like a, a, a truck that can do something. Now, I wish somebody would have given me a T-shirt when I bought the truck because I had no idea. They said, yes, I have a truck. No, I do not want to help you move. Um, that, because it, people just assume, which I have no, you can pay people to do that, right? Um, but but I, I haven't always driven a big four-wheel drive truck. In fact, my first truck was a tiny truck. Now, if you drive a tiny truck, I'm not judging you. I am kind of, a little bit, because I, I don't see the need for it. Now, I had one. I had one. And tiny trucks get stuck real easy. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I found out. Um, I was in this field, um, and it had rained, and there was a lot of mud. And why, why I was in the field is not important. Another story for another time. We'll save it. But I got stuck, and I had this thought. Well, all I need to do is, like, put it in first gear and pop the clutch and I'll just pop right out of the hole made sense right <laughs> yeah I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer because when I did that I didn't pop out I just got deeper in the hole my, my, my real and so this was my thought put it in first step on the gas eventually I'll get out of this hole right but if you've ever been stuck in mud or snow you know what happened I didn't like, the truck was like this, stuck, and it started doing this right here. And I got angry. And how many of you know you do stupid stuff when you get angry? How many, how many of you know? How many of you know the person next to you do, does stupid stuff when they're angry? Oh, wow. Okay. Can't help you with that. Um, but I got angry. I'm sitting behind the wheel of my truck going, ah! And I got the wheel. And, it's, and finally, I was like this. And I looked, and like a bunch of friends had gathered around, and they're kind of looking in, and somebody knocked on the window and said, you okay? I was like, well, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, why? He goes, well, you know, I just can't help but notice you look like you're in a rocket because the truck was like this, right? 
So my friend Stephen, who had a man truck, like the, the tires were bigger than the state of South Carolina. He pulls up, and he's got a winch on the front, and he's like, need some help? I'm like, well, I mean, I am struggling a little bit, you know. And so he kind of pulled me out of the, the hole, and I've never forgotten that. And the reason I've never forgotten that is because of how helpless it felt to be stuck. Now, all of us have probably been stuck in a car in the mud or the snow, but I'm not talking about that kind of stuck today. I'm, I want to talk to the person here in the room or watching online that you feel stuck spiritually, like you're stuck, and, and, and not in a good spot. Like, I didn't want to be in, in the middle of a field with mud. That, that's not where I wanted to be. That was not my destination. But I was there, and I was stuck there. And there's some people here today, you're in the room, and you're in the room because it's Easter, because somebody bribed you to come to church, and they promised you they'd buy you lunch or whatever, but you're stuck spiritually. I mean, you're, you're stuck in a place doing some stuff that you said you would never do. You're stuck in a place that you thought you would never be, and, and stuck is exactly how you feel, like, this is where I am, and, and there's no way out. And if that's you, man, you came to the right place because I get it. I've been there at a place that I thought I would never be doing things I thought I would never do. It's the, the, the best word you can describe your life with, with is mess. But I'm here to tell you today, we're starting a brand new series. and We're going we're gonna to walk through the book of Ruth over the next five or six weeks. I'm here to tell you that you today can take your first step out of a mess and into a miracle. That you might feel stuck, but you don't have to stay stuck. You can step out of a mess and into a miracle. And we're going to talk about it over the next several weeks looking at the book of Ruth. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, if you're a Bible person, because this is what I'd be thinking too. Hey, um glad we're talking about the book of Ruth, but uh, this is Easter, Pastor P. It's kind of expecting the whole Jesus is alive, empty tomb thing. How are you going to tie the book of Ruth in to Easter? I'm glad you asked. Wait till the last two minutes of the message. We'll get there. All right? Let's look at the book of Ruth. Um, Ruth chapter 1. Ruth is in the Old Testament. It's a short book. It's only four chapters. In fact, if you want to impress your friends, tell them you read an entire book of the Bible. And, and if they don't know the book of Ruth, they, don't want to, they won't know it's just four chapters. We're going to look at it. Um, Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this. In the days when the judges ruled, and that was a specific time period for Israel. In fact, there's a book called Judges. And if you like movies like Braveheart or Gladiator, you'll love the book of Judges. It's got fascinating stuff in there. Um, a severe famine came upon the land. Now, I want to pause and say I can't identify with that in regards to what it means in the text. Like, we, fortunately, have never had a famine in, a, in America that, that we've had to live through. Famine is like no food, the crops aren't growing, there's no prospect for food, there's no food anywhere, no Publix, no DoorDash, no anything. A famine is a famine. And I can imagine what that would be like. Because I get angry if I go through the drive through line at Zaxby's. Now, y'all listen, I love Zaxby's, but I think they think of reasons. I think they get together and have staff meetings on how, how can we make our drive through line slower. That's what I think. That's, that's just me. 
And you, oh my gosh, Perry, what if somebody from Zaxby's is here? Speed up your freaking drive through line. That's what I would say. I'm glad you're here. Good God. Now, their fries are awesome, right? But you know you got, if you want to go there for dinner, you got to get there at lunch. I've never had to go through a famine. I get angry. If I go without food for two hours, I'm, I'm hangry. Hangry. Now, we've kind of experienced a little bit of a famine like last year. You remember when COVID hit? We had a famine of toilet paper <laughs> and hand sanitizer. You couldn't find either. I had a friend. This is a true story. I had a friend call me. He's like, hey, man, what are you doing? And this is, this is a second chance, so anything could happen. I thought he was in jail. <laughs> I was going to go get him out. Hire him on staff. <laughs> hey, man, what are you doing? So I'm just here at the house. Can we meet somewhere? <laughs> I mean, we could, but, like, I don't really do that stuff anymore. Like, so, like, uh, <laughs> he said, I got something for you. And at this point, I'm getting worried. I said, what you got? He said, Purell. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yes, it was legit Purell. It wasn't the hand sanitizer that your grandma made in the trailer and blew it up because she was making crystal meth at the same time, and she just thought she could make hand sanitizer and make a little extra money. Like, it was, like, legit. And I was ready. Like, that's the closest to a famine that we've ever been. I can't imagine being in this situation where you've got no food, you've got no prospect for food, you get, you get desperate. And how many know that desperate people make dumb decisions? I mean, I have never, ever met somebody that said, man, I just got desperate. And as soon as I got desperate, I started making better decisions. Desperate people make dumb decisions, including me. I'm not, I'm, listen, here's the one thing you need to understand if you're going to attend Second Chance. I'm never preaching to you. This isn't a me thing, this is a we thing. I'm in this. I am the king of being desperate and making dumb decisions. So I, I know what I'm talking about, not because I read it, but because I've lived it. So, so the, the situation is set up for somebody to do something dumb and desperate. So it goes on to say, so a man from Bethlehem, Bethlehem, he was from Bethlehem. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Oh, it's kind of I've been to Bethlehem. It's kind of um, scary, actually. But, but another story, another time. Bethlehem and Judah, he left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. Went to Went to Moab. Now, here's, here's a little thing you need to know. First five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, is called the Torah. It's the law. Jewish people lived by the law. Orthodox Jews live by the, that book today, the Torah. In the Torah, it specifically says, you, you cannot go to this place. You don't go to Moab. And... You don't mix or marry with Moabite people. The Moabite people were those people. They were nothing like the Jewish people. The Jewish people, according, according to what, everything we read, these are good people. The Moabite people 
are not good people. Now, I know in today's culture, you can't say those that you don't know what was. Okay, if their crops didn't grow, they would throw their kids in the fire. Jacked up? Yes or no? Yes, that's jacked up, okay? I don't care how normal you try to be. You start chucking your kids in the fire when the crops don't grow, that's jacked up. They worship pagan gods. This was not, nobody, nobody had a good Moab story. For, for those of you who are from the upstate of South Carolina, going to Moab, it's kind of like um, they went to live in the country of Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you're a teenager, if you're a teenager, I want you to listen to me. Your parents have a Myrtle Beach story that they've never told you about themselves. That's why they're freaking out about you going to Myrtle Beach. I just created a great lunch conversation, didn't I? <laughs> didn't I? They've never told you. And when they, and hey, 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 while we're on it, when we leave, they're going to tell you, that's not true. It's absolutely true. Press them on it. <laughs> so they went to Moab. And you're not supposed to go to Moab. Here's the deal. I'll bet you years before, if you would have asked this guy, will you ever go to Moab? No, I'll never go to Moab. But he gets desperate. And when we get desperate, he left Bethlehem. He walked away. Bethlehem literally means house of bread. He walks away from the place that Jesus was ultimately going to be born and went to a place he said he would never go. There's somebody in this room tonight, somebody watching arts today, somebody watching online right now. You're in a place you said you would never be doing things you said you would never do. You've gone to Moab. I've been there. It, it goes on to say this. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion, and they were Klingons. That's what it sounds like, isn't it? Now, if you're looking for a good baby name, I would highly advise against Malon and Kilion because it mean, Malon means sick, Kilion means dying. That'd be weird, huh? Checking your kid in, SC kids. What's your kid's name? Sick. <laughs> Is this a second chance? <laughs> and dying. This is a twin brother dying. Now, Naomi means sweetheart. We'll talk about that. It's a, it's a cool name. Elimelech, this is a strong name. Elimelech, the, the, the literal meaning of Elimelech is God is king. Talk about a, like an awesome name. Try that one tomorrow when you're introducing somebody at the office. Hey, my name is Frank. What's your name? God is king. <laughs> is it just one word? No, no, God is king. That's my name. Now, you would think that a man named God is king would live like God is king. Wouldn't you? But not only did he walk away from Bethlehem, he led people away. And his name is God is king. This, is, this goes against, this goes against, I've heard people say this. I just call stuff out that's that stupid that I don't believe. And, and I've heard people say, well, if you're a Christian, if you're really a Christian, if you really love Jesus, What do you do with Peter? Who, 
who the night when he was crucified walked away. Now, if anybody's Christian, Peter's on the list. Just because you're Christian doesn't mean you don't make bad decisions. Elimelech, God is king. You can't get in Bethlehem. You can't get any closer than that. And he walks away. There's some people in this room, there's a time in your life that you were closer to God than you are right now. You walked away. You went to a place that you said you would never go. You're doing things you said you would never do. And you feel stuck. It's the mentality of Moab that, that, well, I'm here. There's nothing I can do. Might as well stay this way. Um, Some of you are like, God, this is depressing. Don't worry, it gets worse. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Huh. Have you ever settled? I can see the conversation. I can almost see it happen. Hey, um, so we, we don't have any food. We don't know where there's food, but there's food in Moab. It's going to take us a long time to get there because, listen, when you drift away from Christ, you don't, it happens gradually. It just happens gradually. I know a lot of people over, um, over COVID, over COVID, we, we just kind of drifted away from God because we didn't have an opportunity to gather together as believers, and so it was just easier to drift. And, and before we know it, we, we, we were here, and now we're here. And then when they got there, they settled. And I can, I can bet you this was the conversation. We're going to go to Moab. We're not going to stay there long. We're just going to go until this blows over. And once this is over, we're coming back. But they got there and they're settled. This is kind of like the person that says, I know I have a bad habit, but I can quit anytime I want. Really? Because here's something I know about having a bad habit. You do want to quit. You just feel stuck. Oh, and the people that say people that love Jesus will never walk away, there's some of the, <laughs> there's some of the reasons you stay stuck. They, and by the way, people that are telling you that's the way you are and that's the way you always be, you just need to learn how to tune those people out of your lives. They don't know the hell you've been through. They don't know the demons you fought. If what had happened to you had happened to them, they wouldn't even be alive. So if you're here and you're stuck today, I'm not here to try to push you down in the mud. I'm here to tell you that there's a way to get out, but, but it includes not settling. Like, <laughs> if you live in the other state of South Carolina, over the past three weeks, we have lost our minds over, wait for it, thunderstorms. Thunderstorms. And here's the deal. If you tell me a thunderstorm's coming, now I know there's some of y'all like me. If you tell me there's a thunderstorm coming, I go sit on my back deck and watch it. I got to screen them back porch. Anybody love a good thunderstorm? You'll get struck by lightning. Awesome. I go to heaven and don't feel a thing. I'm like, this is beautiful. Jesus. But two weeks ago, you remember this? Two weeks ago, they were saying that severe thunderstorms were coming through on a Thursday. They canceled school over a thunderstorm warning. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What if a school administrator's here? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, you know, Pastor P, they said the tornadoes could come. Now, let's talk about a tornado for a second. If you're my age, I'm, I'm 49. If you're around my age, you remember in school we did tornado drills? Dumbest thing in the world you could do to a kid. You take these kids and you put them up against a wall 
And you tell them, what would you have to, what'd you have to carry? Your, your, it's usually your history book, right? Because an F5 tornado is mortified of history books. So little kids with history books have driven away more tornadoes than anything in the world. So you got all these little, I mean, this is the way I felt. I mean, I'm looking back, there's all these little morons up against the wall with a school book going, I am safe. And then, and then the second thing you hear is they're like, if you're ever out in a field, which this is practical advice because I'm out in fields all the time when my truck is stuck. But if you're ever out in the field and a tornado is coming, just lay in a ditch. Do what? Lay in a ditch. Tornado jump right over you. <laughs> we know anybody that's tried that. <laughs> Have you ever seen the news interviewing somebody? Excuse me, sir, did you survive the tornado? Sure did. <laughs> me and Bessie sitting in there in the trailer watching the TV, and we looked outside and said, Bessie, there's a tornado. Let's run out in the field and get in a ditch. Wasn't enough room in the ditch for our kids, so we told, hey, kids, y'all get against the wall, pull the school book against your head. Everybody's going to be all right. If a tornado comes, I, ain't, I, I am not laying in a ditch or pulling out a school book. I am running like Forrest Gump or I am driving as fast as I can. I'm just not going to say. We, we can't settle for stuff, right? We're not supposed to settle. We're not supposed to settle, especially as followers of Jesus. We don't have to settle, but then sometimes we get in certain circumstances and we do things we said we would never do in a place that we said we would never go, and we just think, well, the mentality of Moab is this. I guess this is who I am. I guess this is the way things are. Why change? Because I can't change. And we feel stuck. Stuck. In Moab. Well, it gets, we're almost at the bottom. Um, then Elimelech died. And Naomi was left with her two sons. Now that's, that's got to be bad. You're in a foreign land. You don't know anybody. The husband is your sole source of income. And he dies. But you got the two sons. Then, then keep in mind, keep in mind, the Israelites were told, don't be around the Moabites, and especially don't marry Moabite women. Listen to me. That was a direct command from God. It was a sin to marry a woman from Moab. Are we tracking on this? Everybody with me? It was a sin. Keep that in mind because here we go. The two sons married Moabite women. <laughs> Parents, you ever dealt with this with your kids? Hey, don't touch that stove. It's hot. <laughs> ah! It's hot. I, yes. Thank you. Idiot. <laughs> I have to like your mama. Anyway, I have to like your daddy. You ever notice one parent blames the other? If the kid does great, he just takes it after me. Kids does something dumb, acting just like his daddy. <laughs> Moses don't marry Moabite women. But, but, but what do you do when you're in Moab? You forget God's word. You forget what God said. Or you ignore it. Me personally, I, I've never really forgotten it. I just chose to not pay attention to it. Marry Moabite women. One married a woman named Oprah. 
Orpah, sorry, she's been around a while. I love Oprah. And the other, a woman named Ruth. That, that's going to be important. We're going to come back to that. What's her name on three? One, two, three. Ruth. God, y'all are paying attention. I love this crowd. Y'all are my favorite so far. I didn't say that the other two services, I promise. So, so okay, the, the husband died. Two sons got married. Everything's about to even out. And then, but about 10 years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Death is just awkward. It, when I was growing up, it was a different world than it is today. It was. It was a different world. In the 80s and 90s, now, I, I need to qualify this illustration because if I use this illustration without qualifying it, I, my email would blow up this week, and I, I don't have time. Not for this. But in the 80s and 90s growing up, and some of you that will remember this, you will acknowledge that this is true, dogs were not a part of your family. They weren't. Like today, dogs are very much part of our families. Like family photo, you get the dog in the family photo, right? Like my dog, like you want to get hurt? Say something about my dog. Say something about Chance. He's crazy. He is crazy. I can say that. You call my dog crazy, we're going to fight. That's my son. Right? Dogs are, but, but in the 80s and 90s, think about this for a second. People that had dogs in their house, they were weird. They were. Now people that have cats in their house are weird. Anyway, anyway, so a dog was something that stayed outside. You spoke to it once a week. Petted it on the head, gave it a dog biscuit, and that was it. That you, no, don't say, oh, that's the way it was. It was just dog. It was a dog. But today, dogs are a little bit more special. So, so in the 80s and 90s context, I hung out with a group of friends, and we would always joke with each other. And one of, one of the guys, he was kind of a leader. If you insulted him, he had this phrase he would say, I hope your dog dies. You said that to somebody today. That ends friendships right there. I hope your dog dies. And it was funny. We said that to each other. I hope your dog dies. I hope your dog dies. One night we're standing in the parking lot at Ryan's. We're all standing around. Somebody said something. He goes, I hope your dog dies. And the kid went home. And the dog was dead. So the next week, he showed up. My friend Chris said, I hope your dog dies. And he said, Chris, he died last week after you said it. And all of us were like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> It was awkward. I remember after my mother passed away, um, and this is back in 1982, there, were no, there was no internet or cell phones or anything like that. Somebody called the house. I picked up the phone. I was like, hello? I said, is Helen there? I said, nope. She said, they said, well, she be back anytime soon? I said, I don't think so. True story. <laughs> Did she leave your dad? I said, well, kind of. Well, Perry, where is she? Well, she's dead. I thought they knew. It was awkward. And people always say the same thing when they find out my mother's dead. That I'll say, they say my, my mother, I'll say she's dead, and they always go, I'm sorry. And I always say the same thing. You didn't do it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Why do you apologize to me? <laughs> it's not like you. It, it's, see how awkward? We can't even really laugh about death because death is weird. What do you do when something dies? Can you imagine how, how Naomi felt? She lost her husband, but that's okay because she's still got two sons left. But 10 years later, both of her sons die, and she's stuck 
with two people that she was never supposed to be identified with in the first place. There's somebody in this room, that's your situation. You're stuck in a situation that you thought you'd never be in, around people you never thought you'd be with, and you don't know what to do. I get it. I've been there. It sucks. But just because you are there doesn't mean you have to stay there. Because this next verse, this is where it gets good. Some of y'all are like, this is the most depressing thing I've ever heard. Here's where it gets good. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. Now, it took me 30 years to see the miracle in this verse. I've been reading the Bible for 30 years, 40 years, never seen the miracle. There is a miracle in this verse. And if you don't see it, don't feel bad because I didn't see it for years and years and years. What, Perry, what is, what is the miracle? It's kind of hard to see the miracle. Here's the miracle. We don't see it because of the culture we live in. Naomi heard in Moab. She heard in Moab. She was as far away from God, just about geographically, spiritually, as you could get. And there, there was no social media. There was no 24-hour news networks. There were no cell phones. There were no newspapers. There wasn't even a Pony Express. How did she hear in Moab that, that God was, that there, there, there was no TikTok. There was no TikTok video with somebody going, God is good. He's giving us some food. God is good. He's giving us some food. I'll do that one later. Y'all don't worry about it. But, but there was nothing. How could Naomi hear in Moab that God was up to something? Here's the miracle. It's because God is relentless when he pursues us, not to push us down, but to pull us up because God wants you to know, even though mistake got you to Moab, he can still do miracles in our life if we can admit, I don't want to live in Moab anymore. The miracle is that she heard that God was doing something miraculous because God was so intentional in pursuing her because he had greater plans for her life than she could ever imagine. The myth is God uses only good people. If that were true, God would not use anybody because there's nobody that's honestly really good. Every one of us either have been in Moab, are in Moab, or be careful because if you get too, too judgmental, you'll wind up there anyway. I'm talking to somebody. Here's the reason you're here today. Here's the reason you're watching online. Because God, just like he's relentlessly pursuing Naomi, is relentlessly pursuing you. Telling you that you don't have to live that way anymore. You might feel stuck, but there's a savior who guarantees you're not stuck. And even though that's the way things are, it's not the way they've got to, I, I know what it's like. Listen, I know what it's like to feel miserable in Moab. But if God can speak to Naomi in Moab, if God 
can speak to me and a rehab center. God can speak to anybody in this room and tell you that your mistakes do not disqualify you for the miracle that he has for you. You just got to be willing to admit, this is not where I want to live. This is not where I want to be. I don't want to be stuck in Moab. So watch what happens. This is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. Can you, can you imagine this? Naomi's in Moab, and she hears God's at work in Bethlehem. She said, hey, girls, I'm going home. I'm going to walk straight out of Moab, out of this mess, and God's doing something miraculous over there. And I don't know what he has for me, and I don't know the plans, but you know what? The miracle in Bethlehem is greater than the mess in Moab. So girls, get ready. We're stepping out of this place. How are we going to get there? One step at a time. It's a process. We didn't get into this mess overnight. We're not going to get out of this mess overnight. But you know what? Every step we take toward Bethlehem is a step away from Moab. I'm I'm just going to take another step. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to take another step. I'm going to get closer to the miracle and further away from the mess because God will lead us step by step if we daily surrender to him. He wants to take us from the mess to the miracle. Now, some of you are like, Perry, I get it. But I done messed up too bad. But did you know that God can take your messiest worst mistake and still use it for good because let's think for a minute let's think for a minute let's think for a minute just for a second one of Naomi's daughter-in-laws was named Orpah the other was named say it on three one two three Ruth this is the book of Ruth Ruth was a Ruth was a Moabite woman right a Moabite woman but as we're going to see over the next several weeks Ruth comes back Bethlehem and she eventually meets a guy named Boaz her and Boaz get married and they have a son named Obed and Obed and his wife gets married and they have a son named Jesse and Jesse and his wife get married and they have a son named David David King David fought Goliath David King of Israel David one of the greatest kings and if you follow that lineage all the way down in fact Matthew chapter 1 tells us the lineage of Jesus there are four women total named in the, na- in the lineage of Jesus, and one of them is named Ruth, the Moabite woman. The sinful mistake, God still used it and redeemed it. And today, there's a book in the Bible named after her. If God can take that kind of mess and turn it into a miracle... If he did it then, he can do it again. If he did it for her, he can do it for us. Nothing is impossible. We just got to say, you know what? We got to get ready because I'm not living in Moab anymore. So with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living. And they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. I, I don't have a plan. All I know is I'm going to be on the road. I'm, I'm coming out of Moab. What's the plan? I don't, I'm coming out. This is what I know. 
I, I have lost everything here. Everything I have here is a mess. There's a miracle going on over there. I don't want to be in the mess. I want to be in the miracle. So I'm going to take one step closer. And that's what my prayer for this weekend is there will be people in this room watching our service online that say, you know what? If God could do that for Ruth, Pastor P, if you're telling me that God can do that for me, that's what I want for myself. Now, I know what you're thinking, and I told you I'd come back to it. What in the world does this have to do with Easter? The Easter story is all in this text. Just like Elimelech left Bethlehem and went to Moab to be around people that were nothing like him, Jesus came from heaven to earth to be around people that were nothing like him. Just like Elimelech spent some time in the land of Moab, Jesus spent time on earth. Just like Elimelech and Naomi suffered death and dying in Moab, Jesus suffered death and dying when he came and he was crucified on the cross. But just like Naomi and Ruth came out of Moab, came out of a messy situation, Jesus was put in a tomb on a Friday in a complete messy situation, having been crucified. But three days later, the word of God came to Jesus and said, son, it's time to get up and step up and be an example to the world that because you are alive, they can be alive. If Ruth can come out of Moab, if Jesus could come out of the tomb, you can come out of the situation that you're stuck in. You don't have to lose your hope. You don't have to lose your peace. You don't have to lose your joy. You might have lost it, but you can get it again because we have a risen Savior who says you don't have to live that way anymore. I wish I had 15 people that would get excited about the fact that we don't have to live in a place where we feel stuck, that we can live in a place of anticipation and celebration. Let's lift his name up like we believe in Jesus. Thank you so much for the miracles that you're going to do in our lives. There are people in this room, Jesus, I pray that you would give them the faith right now to believe that the miracle is for us. The miracle is for them. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now in this room, maybe you feel like that this message was for you. And you would say, Pastor Pete, I feel stuck. I'm in Moab. I'm in a place I don't want to be. And I don't want to live this way anymore. If that's you, I just want to acknowledge you and I want to pray for you. So if that's you and you would say that's you, I want you to put up your hand right now because I just want to pray for you. Just put up your hand. Amen. Thank you so much. Hands all over the room, all over the room, all over the room. All over. Father, I want to thank you for every hand that is raised. And God, I want to thank you for the hands that are not raised, but you did a work. You started something, Jesus, through the power of your word and your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that we would know, God, that even though we're stuck, that because of our Savior, we can step out of Moab closer to the miracle. Head still bowed and eyes still closed. If you raised your hand and today you're like, you know what? I'm glad you prayed for me, Pastor P, but I, I really would love to have a conversation with somebody. I want somebody to pray with me or for me. I want to know how I can take that next step. I want you to feel the freedom to step out of your aisle right now and walk out our back doors. Outside this room, we got people on our care team. They would love to pray with you 
for you. People are going right now, so if you don't feel the, you feel the freedom to go, I want you to go. And if you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ, you've never asked Jesus into your life, and you know that's the next step for you, then I want you to pray right where you stand right now. I want you to pray in your heart. You just pray this prayer. Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Take over and be my Savior. In Jesus' name. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer, would you shoot your hand up just real quick? Just shoot it up real high because I always want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Amen. Thank you, sir. Amen. Thank you, ma'am. Father, I want to thank you for these hands. Father, I want to thank you for the people that just prayed and accepted you. Jesus, I want, I pray that they would know they just stepped over from old to new. Even more important, from death to life. Jesus, I thank you so much for, for this place. I thank you so much that this is a place where we can step out of the mess and into the miracle. Father, I pray that everybody here would be filled with joy and filled with hope and filled with peace. And God, we would celebrate the fact that we serve a risen Savior. You are not dead. You are alive. And Jesus, because you are alive, you are alive in us. May we walk out of this place filled with hope, filled with peace, filled with joy, filled with the knowledge of knowing that your greater plans for us are still yet to come. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this. And everybody that agreed with this said, amen. Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? And I'm glad. I'll see y'all back here next Sunday for part two of this series. I love y'all. God bless. Happy Easter.